You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 37. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. So we want to thank all of our listeners. We're so appreciative of all of you. Uh, we're just blown away by the support that we've received from you and all of your input too on future topics. So that really helps. So thank you so much for doing that. And we would also love it if you would just take a few seconds to hit five stars to review us in whatever app you're listening to to our podcast on that would just help us so much. And if you have an extra few seconds, if you could write a little something, that would be great as well. So again, we really appreciate all of you so much. In this episode, we chat with Claire Couchet, who is the founder of Moscato Scrubs, which she just launched recently. It's an ethical scrub company that she's really passionate about. And we are as well because we love ethical clothing. And we also talk with Claire about what it's like to go through secondary infertility and infertility in general, and also what it's like to live through a diagnosis of PCOS. Okay, so I just thought I would put on my medical student hat for a minute and talk a little bit about what PCOS is because it's something that I think a lot of women are not too familiar with, even myself as a medical student. Um, it's something that we learn about really quickly, but it's not necessarily a huge focus during medical education, and I, I think that's another reason why it's very underdiagnosed. So um, about 10% of women in the U.S., it's estimated, do have PCOS, which comes out to about 5 million women. So it's definitely not uncommon. Um, and it's also considered to be the most frequent cause of female infertility. So I'm going to share a little bit about what exactly it is and maybe some symptoms to watch out for if you yourself want to talk to your doctor about the possibility of having it. It's something that really benefits from early intervention. So everything I'm sharing today is from UpToDate, which is a premier medical source that physicians and med students use. So it's really great evidence-based information, um, some symptoms that you might have. And as Claire talked about today in our discussion, you may not have even any of these symptoms. You may have kind of unconventional symptoms, or you may have several of the classic symptoms. It's just something to watch out for. Um, because it's important to get diagnosed early. If you have this, you can decrease the impact it has on your body. So some of those symptoms are irregular periods, so having fewer than eight periods a year, having dark, thick hair in unusual areas like on your upper lip, your chin, your chest, or your stomach. Also, that can present as oily skin and acne, male pet male pattern hair loss, trouble getting pregnant, which we talk a lot about in this episode, and weight gain. So one of the other reasons besides infertility, even if you're not looking to get pregnant anytime soon, something that PCOS impacts is kind of your systemic health overall. So not only does it impact your fertility, but because it's impacting hormones that affect a lot of other systems, it also increases your risk for chronic conditions like diabetes, high cholesterol, depression and anxiety, and even cardiovascular disease. So definitely if you're having any of those symptoms, we encourage you to talk to your doctor about it and possibly get tested. And as we talk about 
in the episode with Claire, it's important to be your own advocate. So even if you're not being taken seriously right away, it's important to kind of push if you feel like something is not right. It definitely is important to get yourself checked out if you have any of those symptoms that Lauren mentioned. And also if you don't necessarily have those symptoms, because in this episode with Claire, what I found that was really interesting is that Claire didn't have the classic PCOS symptoms, except for infertility, obviously. So if you do find yourself struggling with why you are struggling with fertility, or you just feel like something's a little bit off, uh, it is definitely worth going to get checked out at the doctor um, to see if you have PCOS or something else. And as Claire talks about in this episode, that it's really important to be your own advocate. So if you do have a feeling that there is something quite not right with your body and you're not getting the right diagnosis, that it is important to get a second opinion or push back or just ask some questions to the doctor. Uh, I know that I've done that myself when I'm in the doctor's office, just as a patient asking questions. It might, you know, I think I'm a little bit more comfortable doing that because I'm an attorney. And so I, you know, I don't have any fear of being confrontational some, at some point, but it is really important to be that way. It's not being rude. You know, you're just taking your health into your own hands, which is really important because, there's no one else there really to do that for you when you're in the waiting room um, or in the doctor's office. So it's really important to be your own advocate when you, when you are a patient as well. So. And I will say, I think um, any good doctor will appreciate a patient who asks questions because um, physicians, I think do enjoy educating people about their health. And I think they appreciate it if you, have questions that you want to bring up and you don't just keep it to yourself. If you don't bring up questions that you have and you're not expressing any concerns you might have and instead you're just doing whatever the doctor says. I mean, even as a med student, um, I've observed my physician preceptors really appreciate it when their patients ask questions, as Emily was saying, not from a rude place, but just from a place of concern or wanting to express the questions you have about your own health, I think is a really good thing to do for anyone. Right. And then also, uh, as Claire mentions in the uh, in this episode, that you know your body best, that doctors and nurses, they have to consult the charts. And obviously, they don't, they don't have your whole medical history as readily available in their minds as you do. You know, they have the charts, but you've actually lived through it and experienced it. So, I mean, one example recently was, um, you know, when I was at the doctor's office recently, my doctor said, okay, yeah, make sure you go get the flu shot. But then I reminded her of something else that I had going on. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, don't get it. Wait till after that thing. Um, and, and you know that there's it's not like she's a bad doctor because she forgot about that. But it's like, you know, they're they're just trying to fit in everything that they can in the whatever 10 to 15 minutes that they see you. So there's nothing wrong with just kind of reminding them and saying, hey, well, what about this? Or, oh, we'll remember this. I have this. Or is that OK? Whatever. You know, so, you know, your body best just as we discuss in this episode. So bringing up those things is definitely really important to do. I think no matter where you're coming from and listening to this episode, whether you do struggle with primary or secondary infertility, if you've been diagnosed with PCOS, or you're just curious to learn more about your health and even how to approach a friend who's dealing with infertility, I think this episode is going to be really helpful for a lot of our listeners. And I really hope everyone enjoys this episode. 
So without further ado, here's our amazing conversation with Claire. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We're so excited to talk with you. I know that both Lauren and I enjoy following you on social media. You have such a beautiful and inspirational page. And so before we dive into our topic today, uh, we would love to hear a little bit more about who you are. Thank you so much. Um, I am a wife and a mother. And right now, I currently create on my blog, Finding Philothea. And I'm actually about to go into production for my business, Muscati Scrubs. And it's an ethically made and a sustainable medical scrubs company. Wonderful. So you said that you have some background in the medical field? Yes. So I actually, um, I went to college originally for history and theology in Ohio at Steubenville Franciscan University. And I didn't know what to do with that degree. And um, I decided to become a registered nurse. So I went to a college, Duville College in Buffalo, New York, and I received my bachelor's of science in nursing there. So um, I ended up becoming an oncology nurse and worked at a hospital um, here in Buffalo, Roswell, on a bone marrow transplant floor. So um, that's my medical background. Great. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I have my mother-in-law and a good friend of mine are both oncology nurses. So I'm wow. pretty familiar with what they do. And I've heard some of those stories. So it's it's pretty incredible. So that's such a great area to go into. Um, Definitely changed my life for sure. Definitely. Could you tell us a little bit more about your entrepreneurial ventures lately with the Scrubs Company? That's something I'm super interested in. Um, obviously, just being a medical student and our hospital scrubs kind of suck. So I love hearing about like beautifully made, ethically made scrubs. I think that's a really important market. Thank you. Definitely. So um, two years ago now, I watched a documentary. It's called The True Cost. And it changed my life. So before watching that film, I was, I would say almost addicted to shopping and fast fashion and just, I would see some impulse buying, you know, if there was a sale, you know, I need it. Um, and then this film just showed the importance of ethical fashion and shopping ethically and that there's a life and many lives, in fact, behind each piece of clothing we purchase. So um, it just showed the conditions that most people work in in the fast fashion industry. And I remember after watching the film, I walked into my closet and I started crying. I was looking at the clothes. I'm, it was overwhelming because I would see a person behind each um, piece of clothing I owned. And it, it was just too much. So I um, decided to, I got the idea to combine my um, passion for the the ethical fashion movement and um, my passion for the medical field because I ended up becoming a stay-at-home mother after my son Peter was born. And I missed the medical field and really wanted to do something for the medical field and combine that and started Muscati Scrubs. So we're hoping to launch our Kickstarter soon with pre-sales and um, we're finishing our final sample of the scrubs, which is super exciting. We need to have you back on to have a whole nother episode on ethical clothing because I'm so interested in this. I just recently found out about this in, I don't know, the past few months. Um, and I was just telling my sister about this actually last night. And there's an app. I was trying to find it. I think it's good on you app. Um, I'm sure you've heard of yes. it. But yes. I just love That's just such a useful app to find out what the ethical rating is of a particular fashion company. But 
It is. It is. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to get too off topic, <laughs> but we definitely need to talk. No, about I would love to come back. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, what maybe we can dive into since we've talked about your careers and hobbies and um, we would love to hear more about what have been your biggest struggles in your motherhood journey so far. Yes. Yeah, so I have one son, Peter, and he's three years old. And um, definitely the biggest struggle has been trying to conceive again. So the diagnosis of secondary infertility. And I love being a mother. My mom is one of 12 and I'm one of six. And I conceived Peter so quickly after marriage. Um, I just never thought that infertility would be a struggle. So um, after having Peter, we were trying to conceive for three years now and we've been unable to. So it's been a, a struggle for sure. <laughs> Could you tell us maybe a little bit more, um, I guess, in detail about what um, the journey has been like for you so far? Because that sounds so difficult. I think I can relate to that personally, because we were able to conceive our son Jackson very quickly, but mm-hmm. um, we haven't started trying for a second kid. But I I definitely can relate to the feeling that you don't think you're going to have problems if you've had one healthy, easy pregnancy initially. It just It's something that hasn't really even crossed my mind um, myself. So just kind of maybe if you could share a little bit about your emotions during that time and just kind of uh, anything else you discovered along the way about uh, causing what, what were the causes of the infertility and just how you and your husband have dealt with that in your marriage. Yeah. So infertility, um, especially secondary infertility, I feel isn't talked about a lot. And even as a nurse, the first time I even heard about secondary infertility was during my appointment when I was diagnosed. So that initial appointment um, was shock. And especially one of the struggles was I did have a son, Peter. And so that diagnosis was being put off and off. So I had symptoms, but people, the doctor side, one child, one very healthy child, I got pregnant right away. And I would be having some symptoms going to the doctor and just um, having pain called uh, ovulation pain, even though I wasn't even ovulating. So that was frustrating at first. So it took, um, I've been struggling with this for three years, but it took two years to get a diagnosis. So I was just diagnosed last year. So that was a long time where I could have been treated, but wasn't. Um, So I think when I was first diagnosed, I was going through a lot of physical pain. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS is one of the reasons along with low progesterone for my infertility specifically. Um, Secondary infertility, infertility could be anything, you know, different reasons, but specifically for myself, that's mine. But Um, I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was embarrassed, very lonely because it's not talked about often or at all and desperate for answers. Um, So, and I still go through that sometimes waves of um, just loneliness and wondering, you know, where to even begin trial and error with different medicines. So it's a journey. (laughs) It really is. A few months ago, Claire, I saw a post that you did that you said that secondary infertility, at least for you, you felt like was a very unique struggle for you because since you already have a child, you felt like you couldn't 
really complain about being, you know, struggling with infertility the way that other mothers have who have never had a child. So maybe if you could just talk a little bit more about that struggle, because I really loved what you said about it. Yeah. So one of the things I do struggle with is that feeling of guilt, because I do see um, some couples who have that primary infertility who desire a child and struggle to conceive a child. And I feel um, sometimes like I do, I do have a child already, you know, and what a gift he is, but that longing for a larger family. So combating that feeling of guilt has been a struggle (laughs) for myself and sometimes Mike too. So it's, definitely a roller coaster of emotion because sometimes I say I'm fine with a family of three and other times I'm up at night crying, you know, wishing I had more children. So uh, I wish I was more stable with it, but honestly, it's, it is a struggle, you know, it really is. It kind of reminds me of something people say about kind of any struggle you're going through. It's so easy to compare it to someone else's and say, oh, this is nothing in comparison to what, you know, person X over here is going through. But I think, I don't think it's, I think it's a disservice to ourselves to say that because every person's struggles are real and serious for them. And I don't think we need to make other people's problems, um, like elevate other people's problems at the expense of our own feelings because everyone has their own burdens to bear. Um, So I think, I mean, I know I can definitely see why you, you struggle with the feelings of guilt, but I mean, I, I think it's just as real as someone who's experiencing, you know, primary infertility. And I think it's just as big of a burden to bear. And I feel like too, at least I know that we've talked about it in the past with Brene Brown and her book, Daring Greatly and talking about how women feel shame. But for some reason, we as women tend to do that to ourselves. It seems like that we shame ourselves. You know, we shame other women. We shame ourselves. You know, that's one reason why us at Mother Good, we are, that's one reason why we at Mother Good, that we try not to shame others and we just try to lift everyone up and be a judgment-free zone. But it is so hard, just as you were saying, that when you compare your struggles with someone else's that seem a lot worse, then you don't feel like you have a space to open up about that or anything. Definitely. Definitely. So um, I would love to hear more about your struggles with PCOS because you mentioned that you said that it was, you didn't realize that you had it right away and it was a long journey to get that diagnosis right and try to figure that out along with the secondary infertility. I know that we do have a good amount of listeners that do have PCOS, you know, some have struggled with infertility, some it hasn't been an issue, but could you talk more about your journey with PCOS? Yeah, so I was actually, so I I was showing symptoms of PCOS after Peter was born, probably about seven, eight months um, after he was born. So my whole life, I wasn't diagnosed with it, but it was actually after Peter was born. Um, and after I started stopped breastfeeding that I realized that I had it. So I was having all these symptoms, um, ovarian pain. And what were, what were some of the, okay. So you're saying ovarian pain, what were some of the other symptoms? Did you know, Cause I know some people say weight gain, things like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was primarily ovarian 
pain and it would get me up at night. My legs would be numb and um, break through bleeding mid-cycle. So um, I would go to the doctor with that and um, the doctor would say that, oh, it's just uh, ovulation pain. But in fact, I wasn't even ovulating because of that. So um, I ended up asking for blood tests. And I think I would love to say just how important it is to be a patient advocate and be your own advocate, do your research. And if you know something is wrong, definitely push to have tests done, do research and um, just don't be afraid to keep asking for tests to be done because we know our body is the best. We really do. So I asked for some blood work to be done and um, some ultrasounds and it showed that I had, it's actually called um, the string of pearls. And there's so many cysts around the ovaries that it looks like a string of pearls. So um, where before when I was pregnant, I think I had one cyst, which is normal, you know, but it was just afterwards after pregnancy that I had this mm-hmm. diagnosis. So um, I'm on some supplements, um, because one of the side effects um, is insulin resistance with PCOS and also um, a chance to get type two diabetes, an increased chance. So I'm on some supplements that will help. Um, hopefully I won't get that because of them. So. And Claire, I'm curious, um, as a nurse and just kind of your own intuition as a woman, is this something you suspected far before you got the diagnosis or were you just completely confused? Because those, I know that some of the symptoms you have aren't exactly classic PCOS symptoms, but like you said, uh, we all know our bodies the best generally. And I'm just curious if it's something you suspected. Um, not really. Just I knew something was wrong um, bec- because of the pain. But I am a really odd, um, just PCOS woman with PCOS because an outlier, I should say, not odd, but outlier because I do have a child before, you know, a, a child, and also, um, like you mentioned, there is typically weight gain, facial hair. Um, there's different symptoms that I didn't have, so. Uh, my symptoms showed up in the blood work and also the cysts themselves. That really hit home when you're talking about you having just a cyst when you were pregnant and then you didn't get the other cysts until after pregnancy because I actually recently just had a very large ovarian cyst removed. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been diagnosed with PCOS or anything and there weren't any others, but they actually, the doctors discovered the cyst when I was pregnant with my first and they said, you know, that's normal, all those sorts of things. And, and, you know, that was kind of scary when talking about the ovarian pain and the breakthrough pain, because that's exactly what I had right before I got pregnant. So tying it a little bit into what Lauren was saying that, you know, for you, that meant that you had PCOS. And then for me, it was, I mean, I don't still don't know what it was. Maybe it was the ovary right? or ovarian set, sorry, that, that caused it. But that's just how crazy it is, you know, that we had the exact same symptoms. And for you, it was PCOS. Me, it was most likely the ovarian cyst causing it. Um, but then to know too, just for me, that I should just be on guard for that in the future, that just because you haven't had it in the past, it can still happen at some point in the future. So I just think that that's so great to be aware of. Definitely. And just don't live in fear, obviously, but definitely be on top of fertility and the the health and just be your own advocate 
and push for those tests if you if you feel something is off with your body. It's very important to be a good patient advocate, like you said, and I think coming from you as a nurse, especially, um, that just shows even more that it doesn't matter. Even if you're a healthcare professional yourself, you might not initially be taken seriously or your concerns might not be validated in the way that you're hoping. So I think it's really important, regardless of who you are, to really advocate for yourself. Because like you said, you could have gotten treatment earlier had you been diagnosed at an earlier point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just now thinking about it that, you know, you, Lauren, you being in med school and then Claire, you're a nurse. uh, I I feel like it's it might be a little bit easier if you're in the healthcare profession to kind of be an advocate for yourself because you are, you have, you know, some sort of that background. So, um, I mean, I personally don't have that kind of background, but since I'm a lawyer, I just tend to like to argue with people. So I'm sure my doctors are annoyed with that, but um, just to encourage our listeners that it's okay to push back and argue a little bit. It's, it's not being rude. Um, it's just, you know, just as Claire is saying, and we've been saying this, this entire episode, there's being your own advocate. Um, also, Claire, I would love to hear too, if you've um, been on the receptive end of any unwanted advice or feedback, given your struggles and that you've been sharing it. I know that people always try to be helpful. Um, it doesn't always come out that way. So we'd just like to hear maybe some people, what comments they have made to you and how you've had to deal with that. So I think in general, like you said, I think people love sharing their experiences, but, and truly desire to help. But, um, I think the biggest thing is I can get exhausted from advice. Sometimes I'm definitely open, always open and receptive to it because sometimes I honestly feel like I would be willing to do anything for a child and, but it can be exhausting and just never, if you do give me advice, just don't take it personally. If I don't follow through or, um, you know, get back to you with, with, if I did it or not. Um, but I think one of the most hurtful things, um, not people unwanted advice, but just other, others comments about only children and small families. And the question, when are you having more children or someone saying, Peter needs a sibling, you know? So it's, it's just like the advice. I know, um, that these comments usually come from a loving place, but it's definitely taught me personally never to judge um, others, especially family size, but also to always practice empathy towards others. You just never, never know what people are going through. That's so true. I've actually gotten that comment recently myself with, um, you know, since I've gone through this whole process of having my ovarian cyst removed, you know, I knew it was there and then I kind of forgot about it and then was re-diagnosed with it and then had to schedule the surgery, wait, wait for the surgery, you know, so it's been healed from the surgery too. So it's kind of been a, at least six month ordeal just to go through all of that. And, you know, same with me, I have an almost two year old and I've been getting the comments too. And I don't know if this is the best response, but when people say that Mm. now I'm just like, actually I just had major abdominal surgery. <laughs> and then that always kind of um, shuts them up a little bit. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right approach. Yeah. I, I have a friend actually who um, she suffered a miscarriage earlier this year and, and 
that's what she also just told people when they say, oh, when are you having a baby? Said she and her husband just got married. And whenever she said she actually has been just telling people, actually, I just had a miscarriage. And I don't know. I, I know that people mean well, but at the same time, like you don't know necessarily what people are going through. And that might be a trigger for someone. So I think it is respectful too to just kind of be a little bit more aware aware of what you say and ask people. Definitely. I think it's for sure good to err on the side of not bringing it up unless the person who you're talking to brings it up themselves. I mean, I get hit with similar questions since Jackson is close to Kate's age, Emily's daughter. um, And people are constantly asking about number two. And I, it, it takes a lot of restraint sometimes, especially to people that are not family to say, I'm kind of in over my head right now as it is. And yes, I would love another kid, but also dealing with the realities of med school and having a toddler, I think is kind of a lot to handle already. So it, yeah, I think sometimes just thinking about how that might make the other person feel, um, like you said, they might be dealing with something you don't know about, or maybe they're just already overwhelmed with the kid or kids they do have. Um, I think it's best to just wait for them to bring it up instead of asking. I think it just, not a good idea. That's perfectly said. I think honestly, just speaking kindly to others is always a good rule of thumb. Definitely. Yeah. So a little bit more on that topic. um, What would you recommend saying to someone who is struggling with infertility, whether it's secondary infertility or uh, just infertility in general, or maybe they're going through infant loss or a miscarriage. Uh, what, and obviously you don't have to answer it universally because I know every single person is different, but from your experience, what have been the best words of comfort and encouragement that people have said to you? Um, I think definitely just understanding and realizing that our worth as women, um, it's not based upon our physical fertility whether you bear children or not. And it's a beautiful, beautiful gift, but that's not what our worth and dignity is based upon at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And as women, we have so many amazing opportunities to be fruitful in different ways and powerful ways. And there are also many opportunities for motherhood, just um, whether bearing a child is, is one, but there's different different avenues of motherhood. So just never compare yourself to other mothers and never base your worth on your physical fertility. And I would also say never be embarrassed about your diagnosis. Um, I mentioned earlier that infertility has been a lonely road at times. And I was um, just, just not being embarrassed of that diagnosis. And I remember when I was first diagnosed that I was embarrassed to share that with others. And I think we're taught from a young age that fertility is such a private topic. And one of my goals is to bring awareness and light to infertility, especially secondary infertility, Um, just so no one else experiences that embarrassment or the loneliness I felt. So if you're listening and you have infertility, I just want you to know you're not alone. And one last thing, I would also say don't wait to go to an appointment with a trusted OB. And if you're trying to conceive and it's been more than three months, schedule an appointment. And um, I would also encourage those who are planning to get married and one day having children to make appointments if your cycles are off or if you just feel something is off. And it's so important to become in tune with your fertility and cycles. Just don't wait. (laughs) 
I think that's really good advice. Uh, I think it's something more and more people are recognizing that fertility is not guaranteed and it doesn't last forever, of course. So I think um, kind of a preemptive strike in terms of making sure that everything to the best of your ability is is working well, just so you're not in for surprises. And like you said, to get treatment as soon as possible, I think is really important because I think um, obviously not being a, an OB-GYN myself, but just knowing that I think earlier treatment can definitely make a difference in terms of outcomes and being able to um, conceive in the future. I think your advice there is really on point. Um, I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about where you are right now, because uh, it sounds like you're still in the midst of dealing with this struggle and maybe just what your plans and hopes for the future are and what you are doing right now to kind of work through this struggle. Definitely. So specifically with secondary infertility, I'm taking a medicine called Femera and also taking HCG shots um, to raise up my progesterone. So the Femera uh, is to help me ovulate. I was on Clomid, which was um, a medicine to help me ovulate, and that didn't work for me. I was on that for a few months along with the HCG shots. Um So right now I'm on the second month of Femera and HCG shots. I'm on um, different uh, supplements and to help uh, with the PCO symptoms. And the next step would um, be diagnostic surgery for endometriosis. So I didn't know this before, um, just (laughs) this journey, but endometriosis um, could lead to infertility and it can only be diagnosed through surgery surgery. So, um, and if, if that doesn't work, um, I'm debating whether or not an option is called an ovarian wedge resection where they take out a slice of your ovary to remove some cysts and therefore the symptoms, um, of the PCOS, the polycystic ovarian syndrome will decrease hopefully. So, that, that option, the surgical options really overwhelm me. Um, but so I want to do the Femera and HCG, but, um, I, that's, I feel a little lost honestly, and, and it all, and, um, it's hard to keep on to the hope. I think one of the biggest questions we get is how do you keep the hope? How do you not get angry? And I personally struggle with both. I really do. It's up and down. And, um, just, just taking it month by month. So we actually, I, for my mind and heart, I had to stop with treatments, um, over the summer just because it was too much every month waiting, excited, and then, um, it not working out. So definitely, definitely follow the doctor's recommendations, but, um, if you need a break, it, it's totally consuming sometimes. So take that break. I was going to say, I I really appreciate that you're sharing your struggle in the midst of it. We've talked about this in a few episodes before um, when people share their various struggles that they're dealing with. But I always personally think it's really beautiful when you share kind of what it's like in the trenches rather than coming out the other side and, and sharing kind of in retrospect how you got through it. I think it's a lot more, I mean, both have their place, but I think it's a lot more just raw and real when you're in the midst of it and you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's something a lot of people, myself included, really appreciate because that's how we live most of our lives in the moment and not 
you know, from a vantage point, looking back and seeing how everything worked out perfectly. So I really appreciate you sharing that as well as just the personal details. I know that's not always easy to share, but um, I think, yeah, it's very brave of you to come on and, and talk about that. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's, healing too. The more I've learned, the more I speak about it and share with others. Um, I cannot believe how many people are going through this and the messages we get. It's it's something that has been silent my whole life. And just, I think that vulnerability always leads to connection and healing in my experience. So um, if I can help anyone from not being lonely or embarrassed or struggling um, within this, I would love to help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Claire. I, as Lauren said, that we really appreciate you coming on and talking about where you're at in the trenches. And I really do think as well that the vulnerability and the sharing will help so many other women. And I know just hearing your story too, and it's just so inspirational and and it's inspired me too, just following you on social media. So, so thank you. And also, um, where can people find you online if after this episode, they, they want to find out more about you or follow along on your journey? Thank you for having me. Um, so you can, uh, visit our Instagram at Finding Philothea and also our blog, FindingPhilothea.com. And I would love if you would support Muscati Scrubs too. Um, we're launching our pre-sales on Kickstarter soon. So MuscatiScrubs.com and our Instagram too. So thank you. I'm so excited for that launch. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Claire. Yes, thank you, Claire, so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on.